Oh, yeah! It's electric gear in the aquarium room. And if you're looking for something because you have a weak-ass aquarium and you want to make it manly, then you want to go to Joe Shrimp Shack and get yourself some Jola wood. He sells it by the ton. I'm talking to you, brothers and sisters. Get out there and do it. JoeShrimpShack.com. Don't be a pussy. Don't. Use promo code Aquarium Guys at checkout, brother. Oh, yeah. JoeShrimpShack.com. It hurts. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Jimmy, you're not supposed to fart in front of old ladies in the street. Oh, we're starting the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys. <laughs> are you okay, Jimmy? You are such a dickwad. You shouldn't do that to people. I'm just saying. Anyways. Today, we're uh, super excited to have uh, Tom Lamb from Felix on. Yay! Hey, Felix. what's up? Felix is this wonderful smart device, and we are super excited to have Tom. Tom, thank you for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a hoot. We just got done uh, doing about an hour of troubleshooting, playing with microphones. So uh, this is this is much better than it was. So uh, thank you for all your patience. And uh, joining us tonight, buddy. You're welcome, man. I feel like, you know, I'm a pretty technical guy, but when it comes to this microphone shit, it's pretty bad. I need to step up my game. Hey, you know, we'll we'll get you a couple links after the uh, after the podcast. We'll we'll get your game up. That's what we're here for. Or we'll give nice. or contact you with a real professional podcast. Oh, burn! <laughs> I aim for that. Yeah, there, I would try someone else personally. So again, Felix is this wonderful uh, smart device. Before we've had a, a podcast talking about smart aquariums, the, essentially a do-it-yourself, like a, a a reef pie. For those that weren't listening, it's one of our podcasts we had in the past. This is a fully functional um, system to hook up directly to your uh, tank to turn it into the smart aquarium of your dreams. So uh, hopefully this is now the upgraded version of the podcast, but we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. Uh, we still got some questions to go over, and uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy like my moped. Oh yeah, Rob, Robbie got a new moped, and uh, what what's that old saying? What what do mopeds have in common with with ugly girls? They're fun to ride, but you don't want anybody to know about it. Is that what it is? <laughs> is that what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what not it what it is. You don't want your friends to see you with one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so Robbie dri driving this 50cc moped, all you can see is handlebars and wheels. I don't know where the rest of the bike goes, but apparently, <laughs> hey, it's a fashion statement, right? <laughs> oh, not yay, Vespa. So, uh, again, let's get uh, directly to the questions. Now, the last episode, or one of the episodes behind, because we kind of do these podcasts ahead of time. So, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but we had an episode called Conspiracy Theories. It was episode 49. Jimmy had way too much fun talking about uh, horrible things. And we have gotten some really good feedback. People loved the episode. Like, they were sending us memes about dolphin rape, all kinds of uh, hilarious jokes. That was disturbing. And I just I want to bring it up that uh, you were the one that came with the dolphin story. And uh, the rest of us sat there with our mouth wide open just going, that was disgusting. You were... You know, beside yourself and how tickled you were with the content I brought to the table, Jimmy. I, I, you. I went home. I told my wife about it and stuff. I said, you, you got to pull this up. She pulled it up. She goes, yeah. It's, only, a, oh, it's, it's a thing. Only Robbie could find that. 
So we have a message from one of our diehard fans that number one says we do a great job. So I want to put that out there, but also complains. <laughs> so uh, here's give them, the, first, give them their money back, dude. Here's our first feedback. So uh, got a problem with the conspiracy episode in your, your podcast. Uh, Margaret Lavat never had sex with a dolphin, but rather manually relieved her, relieved him using her hand. <laughs> I hate this so much. Isn't that technical? Okay. Yeah, we're getting that technical. So now don't misunderstand me here. I believe I was com- uh, it was completely wrong and rather disturbing, absolutely unethical, but you lied on your podcast, sir. The dolphin kept getting horny, which interrupted the research Lavat was doing and decided the, to get the poor thing off. Everything should have stopped there, period. The dolphin molesting should have never occurred, but there's no indication that we have that Lavat had uh penetrative anything so uh what is going on here for those that don't know 1960s they had uh, margaret lavat this is a fact had a dolphin a research lab they're trying to teach dolphins to understand human communication which is crazy but it was the same time period where they came up with lsd and, and this is from our u.s government and this is from our conspiracy theory podcast ladies and gentlemen so uh, this was uh, us having fun. And our belief, if I not, not remember correctly, on the Conspiracy Podcast, was that they were trying to uh, make a love potion and use dolphins testing it because they had, you know, they're a mammal. People wouldn't know any better. Flipper was popular and all that thing. That was our conspiracy theory on the matter. So us saying that uh, Lavat, you know, diddle dolphins. You know, I'm, I'm married for eight years, Jimmy. I mean, you've been married now for a few, right? This is what, number two? Four. Four. Four? No. <laughs> the first one felt like three. It's number something, <laughs> all right? It's number something. Uh, I'm just saying, if uh, if I'm being relieved, that's a good night in my book, and that's what I'll call it. So uh, if, I, if I interpreted anything wrong and I was being incorrect on exactly what happened, it was just me not wanting to talk about it on the podcast. So thank you so much for this. I'm pretty sure we lost our PBS sponsor. Just Gone. Gone. Poof. Just poof. But uh, so thank you for the feedback. Yeah, thank Nonetheless, you. thank you for doing the research for us because uh, that was just disturbing all too much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the uh, U.S. government enjoyed having to pay somebody to manually relieve a dolphin in order to get it to communicate with people. Yeah, we, we didn't sign to... that check. Didn't sign that check. And, and, and the poor dolphin then died of loneliness. Yes. So if you haven't heard that podcast, uh, don't. don't. Otherwise, it's number, it. just n- number 49. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Now, back to more research things. So did you have any other quips before uh, we go into more questions? No, you go right ahead. I'm I'm kind of, I got to go wash my mouth out. You got to wash your mouth out with yeah. soap. So question came in, how many shrimp does it take to start a nice running colony? Uh, and can I run a no-tech setup? So I I have shrimp. I have a lot of shrimp. Jimmy has a lot of shrimp. I think we can easily say that jimmy has not sat there and done math going how few can you have because jimmy just orders a crap ton and then farms so in my experience if you want a healthy colony you know because shrimp only live like a year and a quarter you know give or take get a healthy colony start with six shrimp you know don't get all one gender of course but six, uh, six shrimp is about the minimum i start with and right now i have probably a hundred you know, blue dreams from the six I started with. So that's a good point to start with. Now there's not a lot of forgiveness. If you lose one or two, you might not have a colony, but if you can keep those six alive, you're good. I think that's about a bare minimum. Fair, Jimmy? 
how what size tank are you running Rob's? well two and a half gallons yeah i i start out with 150 in a 20 gallon tank that's my starting point see that that's why we can't ask jimmy the minimum he can do maximum questions but not minimum see uh tom do you do shrimp no we, we don't have any shrimp right now but joe's gonna hook us up though joe shrimp is gonna hook us up pretty soon here darn right and for those that haven't been on social media uh joe just put out today that uh you know when you're picking up stuff from bulk reef supply you need to torque out front of the business so check out that picture it's on his facebook page make fun of him he's in a covid mask twerking in front of bulk reef supply joe is twerking joe joe from joe wow i mean he is a deviously handsome gentleman and can get away with it he is he's a he's a good looking dude but i don't know if i want to see him twerking now the other question on this was can you uh run a no tech setup um shrimp don't need heat that's one right shrimp needs some light so maybe you could do natural light you put it by a real wet, uh, well uh, lit window area that isn't going to get too bad of a draft so you don't want temperatures fluctuating but again no heater is really necessary i think the only thing that you would have in this quote-unquote no tech setup is have a touch of tech for your bubbler you need a sponge filter of some kind at least in my opinion i wouldn't run one without so if that's the only piece of tech and you called it a no tech system great that's how i run all mine i just have a light and a bubbler that's it oh you definitely need a, a sponge filter of some sort um, i run a whole matten filter on the back wall of mine and those shrimp continuously eat all day long off that and it, it works wonderful so if you have not tried that um you can get yourself a matten filter Mine is probably 10 inches by 12 inches. It's on the back of the 20-gallon uh, long. I have my long uh, facing towards me, the uh, short endwise, and I got about six or eight. Let me see. I think I got six per shell, so I probably have about 36 of them. And for those that are listening, if you don't know, not, you don't know what a uh, matten filter is, look it up. It started uh, '60s, if I remember correctly, uh, doing some aquarium history research. It is the Hamburg matten filter. If you want to Google it. There is plenty of great tutorials on how to make them really cheap. You go online, you can go to Amazon, buy yourself a nice filter. Uh, Joe might have them on his uh, website, and they're real great to make. They last forever, and I use them in sumps even. Yeah, they work well in sumps too. So I just, when you've got that many shrimp that I do, I'd like to have a huge amount of space for them to crawl on. And what's interesting is, is you'll look and you'll see, you know, 100 adults, but the, if you sit there with a bright flashlight, you go, oh, I've got 300 babies also on that. And uh, I think it's a, a 20 PPI that you have to use. So, um, I mean, that varies depending on what you want to do. You want to do a real fine, you can. You want to do a little coarser, sure. Well, if you do real coarse, then you start losing babies inside of it. And they can go to the other side of, of, the, of the back of the... Yeah, so if you're really worried about getting babies out, just hang the sponge above and watch them drop for the well, next couple most, hours. Most people that are raising shrimp are raising shrimp to sell. Right. You don't want to sit there and wait for them to come out of a sponge. That's right. But uh, I think also Joey, the king of DIY, had a good video on this. I think he made it. Uh, there it is. Uh, 2014, and the video still holds up. So go go and check that out. Next question, up for biz. I'm just going over here. We also get, if you guys want to submit your own questions, go to aquariumguyspodcast.com. And on the bottom of the website, you can find our telephone number. You can call and leave a voicemail. Send us an email or send a text message directly to that same phone number. People have been really abusing that lately. <laughs> hey, Aquarium Guys, been listening for quite a while. Wondering when the next story time will come out. Thanks, Caleb. Story time. 
you know, we, we've thrown this around. We've done two story times. Uh, first one, pretty successful. Second one was pretty funny. Um, third one, we're thinking about getting some of our listeners involved with this. Also, Is that what you're thinking? I think we should get a couple of listeners involved. We got a couple of guys with some pretty good stories. I, I still, if you want to listen to one of the funniest podcasts we did, um, we had uh, the guys from Ohio Fish Rescue t- tell them stories. On, I about wet myself the first time we had them had him on the podcast just absolutely because just you're old jimmy uh, uh, you know adam i got a little something for you <laughs> right here hammer time. time hammer time hammer time you can't touch this you can't touch this tom shaking his head How yeah, I know. You? tom's going you guys are wasting my time so for those that are listening what jimmy's not meaning is if you want to go ahead and submit us a, a story for us to read on air we're going to select one story for story time and we're going to pick it, and whoever picks it will get a prize. Prize to be determined. I mean, maybe we can give uh, Jimmy's motorcycle away. We yes. could, yeah. I'd like we to could. go to that and get a new Harley. That would be if nice. not, we can do like a an entire case of Cholo wood. You know, we'll we'll come up with something, make it fair. But uh, send us in your submissions. We'll, we'll, we'd love to read your story and giggle about it on air. Only the best one will be selected. So uh, send it in that and if you also have some recommendations to who we should guest i think chris biggs is hilarious he's got a wonderful youtube channel the mad aquarist check it out we 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 have to get him on but chris is very intense i think one more one more yeah we got to figure it out so i think we should do this in september when fall hits um to be continued to be continued all right that does it this week for questions we have more but we can only do so many so uh again submit your questions in and if you want to join the debauchery you can listen to us live. We're, again, AquariumGuysPodcast.com, bottom of the website. We have a link called Discord. That's where we have a bunch of people watching now and asking questions live on the spot. So uh, come join us. And we love having those live questions because uh, when we're talking to, to Tom here, we see these things pop up. And then we uh, we sound much smarter because we have great questions from you guys. That and we get great memes. I mean, they already photoshopped Tom into a couple famous paintings as soon as he got on the podcast. So <laughs> why are they so mean to our guest? Tom, they just love you more than everyone else. <laughs> All good, man. All right. So let's get into the topic at hand. So, Tom, again, thanks for, for coming on. And to, to get started, we always got to learn more about you before the topic we're going to uh, dive into. So what got you into this great hobby of ours? Uh, well, I was never an aquarium guy, honestly. Um, I'll, say, I'll say that right up front. Um, both the co-founders and I were not aquarium guys. We only got into aquariums about four or five years ago when we saw a aquascape from Oliver Knott. Uh, we just happened to kind of was browsing through YouTube and looking at planted plants and somehow ended up on Oliver Knott's, uh, one of his videos. So we're, I'm actually, we're, the co-founder and I, Lucas, we're both Silicon Valley brats. Uh, we spent four or five years out there building out tech companies, like solar companies and fashion tech companies and so forth. Um, but I always loved the aquariums. If you're Chinese, you're Asian, you know, your parents always had, you know, that little aquarium sitting in the corner. It was always in rough condition, you know. Uh, but rough you condition. always had that fit. Yeah, rough condition. You never know if you're, you know, if it was show or you know possibly for dinner but uh, <laughs> i love it so you know I, i've always been around aquariums but never really you know fell in love with it i guess until four or five years ago um but i think you know I, for for somebody like myself you know i'm 
I was 30 something at that time. Um, I just, I always thought that aquariums were going to be tough, like hard to keep, especially, you know, when you're looking at something as beautiful as uh, a planted tank, you know, you think, well, how the hell would I keep that? Uh, you know, what, what sort of crazy devices do I need to actually maintain this thing, right? And so that's kind of where the, the whole start of Felix actually began was, you know, this idea of how do we get guys like ourselves to actually, you know, want to have an aquarium? And then we did, you know, the whole research thing, you know, I'm a, I've got a marketing background, so did some testing around it and, and realized actually, you know, there's a, actually a lot of 30-something-year-old guys out there that are tech guys that have money. Oh, you're waving at me. Oh, never mind. I don't have money. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong group. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, that's the group we want to get into this hobby. Right? So all the, all, all, the, all the broke guys are already in this hobby. I was going to say, how do we get new people into this hobby? Because, you know what, honestly, it's, it's a beautiful hobby. And I'm a, I, you know, I've got this big 240 salt behind me, uh, but I'm a, like, I'm a fresh water guy. Like I love, love like, you know, the, the artistry around like planted tanks and, and uh, what the guys like George Farmer and Oliver not have done for, you know, the, the whole community, right? So how do, we, how do we get people to fall in love with that? Well, for us, it's just making it so damn simple for somebody to own. Uh, taking away all that, you know, that whole, uh, you know, I've got to know this and know that and, and so forth, right? And there's, I think for hobbyists, there's, there's a group that, you know, you, you've got to, that you want to know all the information you kind of you want to know you know like every everything that's going to go into your tank and you know what environment needs to be in and all that stuff but there's this other group that just wants to have something beautiful and so we've really kind of built felix uh with that uh, person in mind as well now that's that's the story so t what got you into your career path like you yours is much different like you're only in the hobby for like five years so you must have had a certain set of expertise that you could even begin to you know put together a startup company like felix uh yeah i've i've actually owned and had many startups uh everything from real estate i had the largest uh, mortgage company in canada uh for many years i had one of the largest real estate companies in canada um but i have this tech background. So I went to school for, you know, IT, right? And um, I dropped out, you know, years into my degree to get married and have kids. And, and so I needed to make money quick. And at that time, you know, the tech, the, the, there was a tech uh, burst at that time. So there was really not as many tech jobs. So real estate was kind of my bread and butter. You know, I, I think I mentioned before, I've got five kids. I feed these kids, right? They eat a lot. And so really I needed, I needed a way to make money. So I started out in the whole real estate game. I mentioned before I had, I'm from Canada. So take this, you know, with a grain of salt, but I had a reality show based on my real estate company um, and did that for uh, a number of years, but my heart always was in tech. So the, uh, the, uh, the real estate gig, you know, got tiresome after 12 years. And so I said, Hey, I I want to go back into tech. I told my wife I'm going to sell everything and we're going to move to the Valley and I'm going to start a fashion tech company to solve one of the biggest problems that women have, 
I was, you know, women always say I have nothing to wear. I wanted oh. to solve that. Oh no. I was wondering what, what, yes. what it was. Yeah, it was. And because uh, I was so tired of hearing it, honestly. <laughs> and I think Thank God you're here because Jimmy won't, you know, change his attire at all. He he basically comes with no pants to the podcast. I'm like Charlie Brown. I, I have know. the same look every day. Oh no. <laughs> so really that's that's kind of the whole tech side. You know, we spent like I said, I spent four almost five years in, in Silicon Valley. We built out a couple of companies. One did very well, one failed miserably. And then I kind of came back to Calgary, Canada to, uh, you know, set my roots down and, and so forth. And that's really where I, I started looking at aquariums. And of course, he went back because of the enjoyable weather. I mean, we want to point that out because uh, we're in northern Minnesota. And I think the weather up here is probably just a little more sucky than it is here. Equally, we have uh, the yeah. to make it sucky here. <laughs> no, I think you guys have a little bit more sucky. Do we, do we really? Yeah, it's the Lake Superior makes us shittier than most yeah. of Canada. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we suck. We do. We do. Well, Tom, again, let's dive in to Felix. So you said the inspiration for Felix was you saw um, Mr. Oliver, Aquascape Botanic, and you're like, I need to make this nerd friendly. <laughs> Is that how it went? Pretty much. Like, I remember uh, after I saw Oliver's tank, the first thing I did was, uh, one of the first things I did was I booked myself a ticket out to uh, Nuremberg for um, the big show out there that happens, um, Interzoo, right, every two years. And so I went out there and I just, I just wanted to meet the guy. I wanted to meet George Farmer. I wanted to meet all these aquascapers and figure out, like, how, how, do, we, how do we take this to the masses? Right. And so, you know, that's kind of just my marketing background. I always compare like um, planted tanks to um, cooking, you know, in the 80s. In the 80s, nobody gave a shit about cooking. There was like, you know, a couple of guys. I don't know if you guys had Yan in, uh, in uh, the U.S., but uh, there was only a couple of cooking guys. But then all of a sudden, Food Network comes along in, in you know, the late 2000s and says, hey, cooking is freaking cool. And here's, by the way, here's some uh, celebrities that we're going to, here's some chefs we're going to make into celebrities and make cooking fun and cool, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, you've got this massive billion dollar industry uh, on cooking, right? And so I really think that's, that's where aquascaping and like aquariums could go with the proper uh, technology and with the proper branding of it and, and so forth. Cause I think it's just, been, it's been limited to the fact that a, there's been really no real technology in aquariums. And, and I say that in the nicest way possible. Um, oh no, we're not offended. Trust me. People, uh, people still use like piston pumps from the thirties. Like, uh, we, we have been diehard for years on the same simple solutions. And it's not necessarily that uh, because, you know, we're stuck in our ways, but because there hasn't been a whole lot of options to make things better. I mean, we've had canister filters. We've had, you know, the old cell hang on the back. So there's been some improvements. But uh, as far as revolutionary stuff to make things simpler, you can't get away from water changes. You can't get away from, you know, feeding the correct amounts. There, there's still things to do. But taking the day-to-day, -day, you know, what's my water level at? Maybe I should not, sh oh, I forgot 
to shut off my light and I'm going to have extra algae. You know, there's there's still things to automate. And clearly you've taken a real crack at that. Uh, that that's exactly what we're trying to do. So when you came from the outside looking in, I thought that so interesting. You just saw a guy. That's beautiful. I want to figure out how to make that easier. So in your own research and development, what were the main things that you saw that like, I wonder if I can fix that or yes, I can fix that. Well, I think when you look at aquariums as a whole, you've got all these devices. And I remember this, you know, going to see George Farmer for the first time. And I, I looked under his, you know, his cabinet and you, all you saw was timers and plugins, right? Just lots and lots of sockets and, and timers. And I said, well, first off, we should, we live in like 2016 at that time. We, we should be able to get rid of these timers. Come on. Right. And at that time, I think like timers, you know, these connected uh, IoT timers were coming out. Um, and so that's that's kind of where it started with is like, look at all these devices. Like, how do we how do we make it all kind of talk to each other and work together? You know, you mentioned something really interesting about you know, the ability um, to like when you're looking at all these different devices and you're, you've got old devices and so forth. Well, that's the thing about, you know, controlling, you know, is you can have all these inputs, but if you, if you don't do anything with it, if you, if you can't make sense of it all, it, it really does you no good. So, you know, you've got these cool um, readers out there or monitors out there that can tell you, you know, everything that's gone on in your aquarium for three weeks, the last three weeks. But if you don't know what to do with that data, it means nothing, right? And so... Um, a lot of that data just becomes, you know, fluff, essentially. But if you can actually harness that data and say, hey, let's actually uh, create an action based on that data, and then you have something substantial, right? And none of this stuff is new. All this technology has been used in healthcare, has been used in, you know, other tech for the last 10 years. It's just we're, we're just trying to bring some of that technology to, to the aquarium industry. So now that you identified some of those, and I just want to clarify, because we're going to have some questions from beginners about the, all the timers. When you talk to professional aquascapists, they're very plant-based. They're not just scaping to make a tank look pretty. They're scaping to make a beautiful ecosystem that is extremely plant-centric. So when they uh, use these timers, especially before we had like a lot of these programmable LED timers, we had to essentially put three, four lights on top if they wanted to really imitate the different times of the day to make sure that we had the complete experience in a lot of these aquascapes. So they went underneath and they'll have, you know, one light turn on for four hours, another light turn on for two. And it, it's essentially a handmade relay system that they have in a lot of these old uh, scaping uh, setups. And it was just a bunch of these old fashioned, you know, rotary timers that I picked on the Jimmy for, but they're necessary. Like I can't give you too much crap for them because even on my systems, I have to do it for plants. So if you mess up algae bloom. So imagine you have a professional aquascapist go through a tank, know each plant's specific needs. He's putting objects to create shade. That's what they're using all these timers for mainly. There's of course other reasons, but that gives you the, the perception for a real professional tank. Now, and these, these are tanks that they spend hundreds of hours on. 
this isn't just like your 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 planted tank at your pet store. These are professionally landscaped. They are flipping gorgeous. They'll make areas look like mountain ranges. And if if you go online and start looking at some of the stuff, it'll just blow your mind. And these guys have got hundreds of hours of putting into these tanks. And, and it's, it's and not necessarily just months. the setup. You know, the setup can take, you know, a few hours. We've seen aquascapes done professionally and quickly. But these are like, you know, even well-established long-term units to try to grow into something. It's not just place and it looks beautiful. It grows even more beautiful. So there's there's all, always time in these things. But now, going back to the, the subject of Felix, again, we've talked about some of these controllers in the past. Um, there was a open source project called ReefPi, and that's made off of a little Raspberry Pi. It's a small very inexpensive computer about the size of a credit card for those that don't know. Mm -hmm. And that was essentially the way that they could try to plug in and make sense of these. They could hook up a sensor to try to read pH. Um, they can try to put on a relay to measure the water level. They could put on specialized timers to dim your lights and shut them off. They could put uh, emergency alerts if power fails or if some particular device tries to fail. But again, it's very DIY, and you have to have Coke bottle glasses about as thick as mine to uh, be able to not only do that, but then enjoy it after the fact. There's no support. Something breaks. You can't just order a new piece. A lot of times you have to either build the software or you know, solder a new piece of hardware on your own. And this was essentially how it began. So now we see a, a wonderful product like Felix. And when did again, Felix is in its beta, you were saying? Is that correct? Yeah, we're st we're still in beta. We're going to be in beta for a while. We we started we started uh, about I want to say twenty months ago, with the actual formation of the company and you know the founding or the founders and so forth. But I mean, like I said, it, it dates back for four years. But yeah, we're we're what we did was we just launched our official beta with our Indiegogo backers. Um, so we had about 300 users or backers th that are now testing and giving us fantastic feedback. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of something that I've always been passionate about was, you know, literally making it a, a product for the users. And so a lot of the, these backers actually we kind of proved out the whole theory of you know, when we were looking at the marketing side of this, a lot of these backers that we have are complete newbies. They're, I would I would say probably about forty about forty percent of them are, are complete newbies. This is their first tank. Exactly what I said to you. They've wanted to own a tank. Their you know their adult life, and but they just always thought it was going to be difficult. Um, and so now we're testing with those guys, and uh, yeah, we're we'll be you know we're going to be constantly testing. We're a tech company. Um, we we plan on doing a soft retail launch uh, sometime this fall. Uh, but I would say we're going to be in beta for the next year or two. So right now, if uh, one of the listeners is hearing this and they want to get be a part of that, they can still go to your website, purchase it, and participate in the open beta. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Wonderful. So get on the ground floor and uh, be a part of making uh, making something nice. So again, let's go over some of the features of Felix and really uh, what the device is overall. Yeah. So, you know, everything you said about the Reef Pie is essentially the core, I guess, piece of what Felix does. Felix is just it on absolute steroids. Um, and so being able, obviously, to control your different devices, timers, obviously, is the, is the, uh, the basic 
thing that Felix can do. It can turn things on and off for you at, you know, set times, right? Um, where it really sort of changes and morphs into something different is we've created like rule systems. Um, and so, um, you know, if, you get, if you've been in tech for a while, you know, the, the IFTTT, if this, then that, right? Um, you can create those rules within your Felix. Um, so getting back to the aquascaping guys and the plant to tank guys, you know, one of the things that they, they really wanted was they didn't want to just rely on timers, right? Um, they, they wanted to know for certain if their plants needed, you know, a CO2 injection. And how do you know that? Well, if pH changes, then, you know, you can add or take away CO2, right? And so with Felix, you're able to do things like that, right? You're able to control your system just even based on pH, right? Um, the other thing it does is, you know, uh, acts as a redundant system. You know, one of the uh, favorite features, and I know this has been done in the past, but for, I think for the uh, the freshwater guys, you know, the, the biggest thing that can kill your fish or your plants is, you know, a faulty heater, right? Um, and so you can create a redundancy, a simple redundancy to, to uh, turn the heater off if it hits a certain temperature. And it can remind you, you know, send the messages to you and so forth as well, right? Um, but, that, but that's kind of the basic features. So, you know, on the monitor, water monitoring side, we monitor pH, uh, ammonia, um, we do the PAR and stuff, LUX and all that for the, the reef keepers. But um, our system is really based on this open source system. And so we've built it in a way where really the, the goal is to have all these different manufacturers out there connect with Felix. Um, and so we've obviously built like an open API um, that we want to be able to share with these different manufacturers. Um, but we've made the system purposely so that it's completely upgradable and, and all that jazz. So I'm going to pick on you, right? Sure. I, I'm a nerd, and Jimmy, Adam, I want you to stop me and clarify any point along the way. No, you're a way. nerd. You're a damn nerd. I'm a yeah. nerd. Yeah, right? No, there's no stopping you. My, my background is research and development for a lot of IoT devices, so this is right up my alley. It's Internet of Things, anything that uh, connects to the Internet and does something for you, like uh, your nest thermostat your garage door opener i've i've done a a bunch of research so trying to come up with the features that felix does isn't necessarily something that i've been able to find in a full list on your website i find uh points but it's uh very geared so i'm gonna get real nerdy with you are you ready tom sure yeah so before we go too much further i'm gonna explain a little bit more of, th of this than that if this than that so in programming language, right, if something happens, do a command. So if I tell right now my, my Google speaker to call my phone, it immediately puts a trigger to dial a number, calls my phone. It doesn't stop until I hit the button on the back. Um, you can have another automatic because that's a manual trigger. It's me telling it to do something that's pre-programmed, right? Follow me so far? Then automatic trigger, uh, triggers can be happened when something uh, else happens. So I have a timer. When the timer happens play music just like your alarm clock so something pre-done or once at a time so now that we understand a little bit more about that concept um timers so any function you have in here you can set with if this then that command correct 
most any function that you have with Felix. So I'm going to pick on a few because you mentioned, number one, there's timers, there's alerts, and uh, there's some controllers and measurements. So let's pretend that we have a timer. At a certain period of time, the light goes to 20%. Um, whenever it goes to 20%, I can also try to um, lower the tank temperature by two degrees at the same time. So anytime the, the light turns off or goes low, I can lower the degree by two degrees, trying to completely emulate the outside world. When it gets dark out, it gets a little cooler. During the day, it gets a little hotter. I can set that as a rule potentially in Felix, correct? Correct. Wonderful. So I'm going to pick on a lot of these. So timers is for anything plugged in. You can turn things on and off with timers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then on the alerts, is it just for if this fails or is through a certain point, shut it on and off? Or is there something that can alert me to say a heater that's going to burn out? Like it's noticing it's using irregular wattage and you should probably change your filter before it burns out. Or is it just yeah. on it, okay, so as it stands right now, it is literally just on and off. But the features, like we have, um, the, the sockets itself can sense the power, right? And so if we see spikes and stuff like that, we can we can alert. And that's the whole, that's kind of the next step of what Felix will grow into is this whole uh, AI system. We're, we're very vague about it right now. Uh, but this, the whole IFTT, uh, is the basis of uh, the AI system that we're building out. And so, actually, you brought up a great point there, um, Robs, is, you know, every animal, every plant has an ideal setting. Uh, you know, the, in nature, there's an ideal setting for that, uh, that species, right? And so, what Felix is aim is to do is to be able to catalog all that so you may be doing something with your shrimp you know whatever whatever species of shrimp that you're you know uh, um, having in your in your aquarium you might be doing something great but uh, down in germany somebody else might be doing something maybe a little bit better and there's no disrespect to you but maybe they're having little, a little bit more success, or maybe you're having a little bit more success. So what Felix is capable of doing is it's aggregating all this data. It's pulling all this data from all these different users. Right now, we only have 300 users, right? But what we've done is in the system, you can tell us exactly what animal you have, what tank you have, with all these different devices you have, and we're sucking up all this information End goal is to spit out something meaningful. Remember I said before, you know, all this data means nothing if it's not actionable. And so that's, that's the goal is to be able to say, okay, these amount of shrimp, this truly is, because of the crowd, this truly is the best lighting for it. This truly is the best amount of time that you should put lighting on, uh, on your aquarium and, and so forth. So, again, you've answered so many questions right uh, right there that you're trying to aggregate this. But until it's aggregated and you guys implement it, can a nerd get real crazy with it? For instance, can you use IFTTT? Is that enabled on the device? So we don't use the IFTT cloud system. Damn. So, 
It's it's actually built internally into our Ooh. system. The the reason why we did that, we did it on purpose because you don't want that any interruption. If something were to actually happen to your internet, you then don't want that systems down. So it lives on Felix. It lives in our firmware. So once you've created that that rule, it's sitting there until you've changed it. But is it like cloud sync with IFTTT? No. It is no, just it's your, our, your own IFTTT. It's our own. Yeah. And there's no, yeah, you know, we went into this whole legal thing with our lawyers like a year ago. And, you know, can we call it that? Well, if this, then that is not. It is not a copyrighted cool. thing. Yeah. No, no. So, so that's why the, we call it that. Just so I get everybody back on board. I went real nerdy there for a minute. Um, IFTTTs, if this, then that. It is a company that allows you to integrate all your devices. So, for instance, here's what I did as a nerd. And I hope my wife's not listening to this podcast because I'm going to get some real shit for this. So, I'm, uh, I'm telling her. For those that are listening, I had a device, a Amazon Alexa at the time. And I connected it to this service called IFTTT. It's free. There's a paid-for models if you're a business and whatnot, but it's free. And I hooked up all my little smart devices to it. So I said, protocol 66 to uh, Alexa. And then it immediately shut off the TV and immediately killed the light in the garage because I keep forgetting it. And I had all of these devices, you know, like a smart bulb. I had a smart plug. I had all those set. Um, and then it would put on uh, a fake cooking recipe up on uh, <laughs> up on my computer. And it also started a coffee pot, which... By the way, that burnt out. But the idea was it was supposed to shut down all my electronics, shut off my uh, extra lights that she wouldn't complain about me about, turn on music and make it look like I was cooking in the kitchen. Just because I said protocol 66, right? The Star Wars meme. Uh, you can do all kinds of settings. I, I knew one guy. This is a funny joke. Now, this is a real story, though. He had a smart lock. He made a, He built his own little smart lock, had his little Alexa say... Uh, uh, just I think it was like he just yelled at an emergency protocol. It immediately closed all of his browser windows, cleared his browser history on his computer, and um, locked his door and uh, put on blaring music to cover up whatever he was doing. He was watching porn, I think. <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of cool functions you can use with IFTTT. It takes a lot of these separate devices and connects them all together so you can do crazy funny things. Now, Tom, so if you take a platform like this, before you continue, um, you can tell it to do a command or have it set with an alert and automatically preset your aquarium for certain conditions. Like you can tell, uh, I'm assuming in the future, you can tell Felix to, uh, you know, prep for ick protocol. It turns the aquarium heater up to 80 degrees. It puts the lights down low to stop the stress of the tank. Mm -hmm. It immediately checks uh, for water quality or consistency, however the measurements are done there, and then reminds you when to uh, put the ick treatment in. Wouldn't that just be mind-blowing, telling it, prep yourself for ick, and then it does it? I kind of do that at home. I say, prep yourself, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else, so never mind. Hey, Tom, quick question for you. Uh, what fascinates the heck out of me on this whole thing is you've got all these different users that are giving you feedback, which is I, what I love. Are they coming up with anything really cool that you didn't think of? Uh, I mean, the one thing I was thinking of, and maybe you've already covered this, is um, we just did a podcast on, on heaters, and, and we hate heaters mostly. Um, but sometimes the heater will start throwing out stray voltage, but still, you know, it still will heat and run. 
but it'll start, you know, you'll put your finger in the tank and you'll get shocked. I electrocute myself. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that will, that will, that you have that will, uh, see that straight current in the, in the water and turn off the heater and notify you? No, not right now, but here, here's the thing. Like we definitely don't have that right now, but we look at Felix kind of like as this, this iOS, right? Um, it literally is, you know, this basis for all these other manufacturers to manufacture things like that. You know, um, we don't want to go out and build like all these accessories. We definitely don't want to go out and build all these water monitors and different, you know, probes and stuff like that. We just want to be a happy place for everybody to happily connect to us and be able to, you know, um, function to, to be able to control all these different devices. Right. And so that's one of the, I think one of the questions that we had, uh, you know, if, uh, this is a question we always get because people look at the water monitor and they say, Hey, that looks like a Senai water monitor, right? And this guy right here, right? You guys can't see it at home, but, um, in fact, it is a Senai water monitor and it actually says Senai right on the, uh, the packaging there, right? Beside Felix. Um, but that, that's the thing is like for us, we, we don't want like, we don't necessarily want to go out and build all these different probes and, and so forth. We want to build the system so that other manufacturers can connect to us. Um, and so that, that really is the ultimate goal of, on the controlling side. Did I, did I answer your question? Yeah, I just thought it was so interesting that you've got all these different people giving you feedback. And I just, uh, I, you don't see that a lot where people get feedback from their customers before they start manufacturing. And I just, I found I, that well. Yeah. I think if you, uh, and you guys are, maybe all of you guys are welcome to join the Felix lab and you can kind of see what's going on in there. We're extremely transparent. Like, you know, we, we, we told everybody the first 300 units we got delivered, um, uh, the first 300 units we got delivered, we had an antenna issue. Right? And so we, t we told the group, we said, hey, listen, you know, we, we weren't in our production facility because of COVID. We couldn't oversee, uh, we couldn't oversee anything. You know, we just got videos and pictures, right? And so we had an antenna problem and we, we shared it with the group and a, a bunch of backers just chimed in and said, you know, like nobody would tell us, you know, a normal company would not say anything about this. They just let it pass, right? Um, but we've really, really tried to be transparent because we really do need the community uh, in order to build, you know, this type of product. It it really takes the it takes a team. So continuing going down the feature list, right? So we we went over timers, we went over yeah. alerts, yeah. we went over that you can set up rules and that the rules live on the device, meaning that if the internet goes out, it's not going to lose connection to the mothership to tell it what to do. Um, it, what measurements does it have? I mean, that, I think that's one of the most powerful features of Felix that I'm researching. What can it do to read things in your tank? Yeah, so with the Senai-powered monitor, um, it can read you know, your pH, your ammonia, your temperature, your water level, um, and then it's got a bunch of uh, light readings as well, like your, your PAR, your Lux Kelvin. Per, wow. Um, yeah. So a lot of the reef guys, you know, you'll spend for a good par meter, 400, 500 bucks, um, or you'll rent it for 
50 to 100 bucks. Um, but yeah, the the monitor you, that we have actually is built in par. Can you explain the need for a par meter and what it exactly is? Uh, so, I mean, the par meters for the, the hardcore reef guys is really um, to get enough light to your coral, right? And so the, the right light and the right amount of light, you know, could really mean the success or failure of your coral. So being able to, to adjust, you know, for different types and different species, is, it's, it's extremely important for the coral guys, right? Not so much uh, on the fresh side. I mean, there's still stuff to be uh, told about some of that uh, over time. We have uh, Scott Fellman. He is tannin aquatics, and he's just a big believer in the amount of tannins in your your tank. But also, uh, I think reading, especially when you're doing plants with a thick black water tank, knowing exactly how much light is piercing through in a freshwater tank is something that we don't even think about, but should, and that Felix could in the future. Uh, definitely could. And, and actually, that's actually, we were talking about, you know, things that uh, the backers have brought up. I know that question has come up, um, not not to us directly, but to, you know, other backers saying, hey, you know, why don't you use it for this or use it for that, right? Um, our next stage really, like we we went through kind of, honestly, it's the last three weeks have kind of been a lesson in startup and pandemic uh, because it's been extremely difficult to kind of navigate uh, and try to get, you know, feedback and R&D done while you're, you know, trying to socially distance, right? Um, but our next stage here is really taking taking all this feedback and, you know, prioritizing it and, and uh, rolling out, you know, what's, what, what we can do reasonably uh, this year. It's, it was, you know, we kind of, at the beginning of uh, March, we had to scrap our plan. Our whole our whole year kind of went out the door. Everything that we wanted to do was kind of out the door. So here we are. So now in the measurements, just to explain uh, to people the idea that you have uh, rules, alerts, timers, and measurements. Now, if you have, say, pH, ammonia, um, temp, water level, there's things that you can't measure, such as uh, CO2. Uh, do you have any uh, any way to measure CO2? We do, actually. And it's funny because, you know, when you when you start talking to aquascapers, they'll tell you a lot of, a lot of uh, different ways to do different things. And our friend and co-founder, George Farmer, uh, he's a, if you guys don't know, definitely Google him. He's got a big YouTube channel on freshwater and planted. He has yes. a wonderful YouTube yeah. channel, um, literally one of the best in the business. And, and such an amazing story, too, uh, that backs it up, you know. But um, so he, he came up with this kind of idea for Felix, and um, it all result, revolves around, you know, measuring CO2, to right? I'm sorry. I, I literally, forgive me, I clicked a uh, button about uh, George Farmer trying to uh, see if he had some other uh, information. <laughs> and yes, George is well known for having a CO2 uh, measurement trick. But no, continue. I uh, I clicked on the wrong thing. So uh, forgive me. Yeah, no worries. No worries. George, is, I'm going to plug his book. He's uh, He's got a new book out here as well. Um, but anyways, in the book, he talks about, you know, how to measure CO2. And it's really taking the pH, you know, 
twice a day. So one time, one time before CO2 is injected, and then a number of hours later when the CO2 is dropped, right? And then you can check the the, uh, the pH again, right? And from from those two measurements of pH, you can come to a conclusion of what the CO2 uh, level would be at, at in the tank, right? And so um, that's that's kind of you know. I don't want to say V2, but that that's on the horizon uh, that you'll be able to see, you know, the CO2 inside of your Felix app as well. And that's you know, not something that's been unknown. That's been a trick. And they've actually have, you know, measurements and graph charts of how to do these uh, different releases of CO2 gas in the tank. And the reason that people really just don't do it and they kind of just best guess it is because it is such a pain in the ass trying to sit there and get out your your uh, API test kits, putting them in vials, shaking them up. Maybe your stuff's outdated. Maybe you didn't clean the vial correctly and you're getting you know inaccurate measurements and you, it's just a lot of hassle to continue uh, keeping up with it where something like Felix does it automatically because it's not a set cut and dry thing and just keeps up to date every single day. Yeah, yeah, and just to take it a step further, can I can I kind of talk about the kind of the last feature? Where uh, there's there's two big features. Obviously, we have a camera that's available in the pro line. Um, can we take a minute to talk about that, or did you have another question? Oh, I have a bunch of questions. So take take as much time as you want, man. Okay. So we, this this kind of falls in line with the CO two, right, and everything else that's going in your aquarium. You know, when we first, I think when we first announced that we were going to do this 360 camera, I think it came off um, very gimmicky. And a lot of people, uh, even to this day, look at it and say, well, why do you need a 360 camera? Especially in, in the midst of COVID. Like, you know, our, our whole tagline in the beginning was, when you're not at home, you know, check into your aquarium while you're traveling. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, out the window. But Besides being really cool, you know, being able to see, you know, a different perspective on your aquarium, um, the, the end goal with the camera, and again, taking technology from different industries and applying it to the aquarium, um, everything is about visual recognition right now. You look at your camera on your phone, you look at, you know, Tesla and what they're doing with um, the autonomous vehicles and even in the medical field, right? Everything is about cameras. And the reason why it's about cameras is because it's the heart of uh, image recognition and AI, right? And so when you look at an aquarium, um, nature acts in a certain way. Animals act in a certain way. When things are sick, when, when water's bad, when CO2 is high, when CO2 is low, pH high, animals, water, visually things act in a certain way. And, and it's always, there's no secret. There's patterns, right? And so the heart of it is at the the end goal for for Felix, and we're very open about it. Is we want to be able to recognize those patterns. So we think that there's um, there's going to become a day where you know the water monitors won't be as necessary uh, because your your fish will tell you what's happening to it, or your your plants will, or your corals will, right? They're doing it in. Um, in uh, in the medical field, you know, 10 years ago, when you went to a doctor for a colonoscopy, what did he do? He stuck a finger in your ass and felt around to see if they felt any tumors, right? Well, now they stick the camera advertising for Joe about that. You have to go to the doctor for that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just Jimmy's Tuesday. Yeah, that's a Tuesday afternoon for me. 
Yeah. But, but now they put a camera in you and the camera actually can see these tumors long before the doctor could ever recognize it. So that, that's, that's the, the key to all of this is like, how do we capture all this data? How do we capture images and make sense of it all so we can actually do something? So either A, alert you as the user and say, hey, need to fix something or B, I see that you have this device and I can fix it. So I'm going to fix it for you. I love it. I think it works as good as a nanny cam too. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're wondering what your kids are doing downstairs and, and turn your camera around and watch them through the aquarium. Yep. Wait, <laughs> there's cameras to watch the children. I've heard about it. Oh, okay. Nanny cam. All right. So to go through the last uh, questions I have and measurements can, uh, and we haven't gone through controllers, so you can measure the water level. Is there any hardware that it's more than just turning something else on and on? Does it come with some other hardware that can, say, do something itself? Does it come with a light? Does it come with a uh, water controller of some sort? Is there any extensions? You, you mentioned before you try to stay away from them, but what does it have for actual hardware controllers? It, it doesn't have anything. Um, like in terms of the actual hardware that comes with it, it's really just the uh, Senai-powered water monitor that measures the, we talked about the pH, ammonia, and, uh, and the temperature in the water level. So it's supposed to be completely uh, um, hardware neutral and work with whatever you have and other things that people make in the future. Actually, in fact, you know, we're... For the last year and a half, we've been actively uh, engaged with a lot of the manufacturers, like the big ones out there. Probably not the biggest one out there that you would normally think of controllers because they they don't want to um, they don't want to work with us for whatever reason. Um, but uh, you know, the most of the devices, the 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 manufacturers of lighting and um, you know your, your different um, um, water monitors and stuff like that. Yeah, we've we've been engaged with them for a while now. Perfect. So never know what's coming up in the future. But as hardware stands now, let's talk about, and we'll start with your Pro model. We'll talk about your other model uh, soon, but your Pro has everything that you have to offer. So we'll, we'll go off of that for the questions. Um, what does it exactly have for additional hardware? So I heard a rumor about a Wi-Fi extender. Am I wrong on this? Uh, okay. So in terms of the actual built, what's actually built in? Correct. So you've got eight sockets. Right. Um, and so we're in Europe. We've developed for Europe, uh, the UK and North America, as it stands today. Uh, you have six USB plugins. Right. Uh, there is a Wi-Fi extender that's actually built in. Um, and so that's actually a key part of our tech and how we uh, connect to other devices as well. Uh, one of the one of the biggest problems in IoT is like, uh, you know, looking at how to connect, you know, my light. Uh, let's say I want to control, you know, certain aspects of the light, like different spectrums and stuff like that. Uh, how do I control it without actually going into the actual native app, right? Um, and so what Felix can do is interrupt that signal so it can be the Wi-Fi conduit uh, for that device and actually take over some control of it. It could also... You could also happily hook up your your iPhone to it if you need you know a better signal. 
so what does it actually uh, run on on the inside? Is it uh, a special, uh, you know, secret lab piece of hardware that you have for the computer actually running in it? Um, I don't want to say secret. I'll kill you just for nothing. I don't want to say secret. I mean, you know, we we even uh, for the screws on Felix, we just put Phillips. We didn't put we didn't put any, you know, secret, you know, whatever screw bit that you would need. Like we we literally let the users. We want the users to open it up. Um, so you know, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to go into tons of details with it. Um, oh, we got them. You, you could open it up. You can open up and take a look, and, and then it will electrocute you, and laser beams will come out. All right, so I'm going to go with some of the questions we got from uh, some of our listeners here and others. Number one, does it have a battery backup? If In case you have a brownout or a power outage, can it hold and run things for a few minutes? Uh, so we've got a UPS uh, coming out. Uh, probably the, the, the goal was actually September, and COVID happened. Um, so it'll probably get pushed out probably to December, probably more than likely January, February. Wonderful. For those that don't know, brownouts for uh, for tech, uh, brownout is when you live in an area and the power gets so low, it will actually kill your computer, but it doesn't quite kill everything in the house. It's uh, common in some, um, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, I guess, would, it, would do it. It's, it's where it has larger cities, but the infrastructure isn't perfect. Um, it happens in a lot of smaller towns that weren't planning on, uh, you know, delivering uh, consistent electricity to you for some reason. When you get a brownout or an actual power outage, a few minutes goes a long way, and that's what the uh, power uh, supply backup does for you, just like you would for a computer. So I the other just being being uh, special again, Robs. Being special. Uh, brownout should uh, shouldn't mean that, should it, Jimmy? Oh, I thought you were talking about my underwear. Right. <laughs> That's brown streaks. Oh, the... <laughs> All right. So questions down the list. Um, what devices can we access with this? Do you have Linux support? So uh, this comes down to more hardware. Could someone jailbreak it and put on their own operating system? <laughs> <laughs> Not that he has well, documentation for. He doesn't think that's funny. We've got actually a lot of our uh, a lot of our backers are tech guys. Um, like I said, they're Silicon Valley guys, and they, I know that some of them are actively trying to hack it right now. I'll I'll leave it at that. Uh, and you know, we we've actually like they've said to us, you know, want to try to do this, and we said do it because this is what we need. We need this feedback so you know to make it uh, get better. So is it only for uh, for fish or plants as well? I think we explained that one quite well, that it's for the entire tank. Can Felix support a public-size reef aquarium? And if so, is there any limitations to massive aquariums, say like 25,000 gallons? I mean, in terms of, at the end of the day, it's the power consumption, right? There's only so many watts available, right? Um, and so... Yes, there would be a limitation. I mean, if you've got a 5,000-watt heater, um, you wouldn't be able to run it through Felix. Uh, that's not to say that the control board, you know, like we've talked to the, for example, of the Vancouver Aquarium, which is a huge North American, very well-known aquarium. Um, and so they were looking at, uh, you know, possibly losing, using some of the tech. Um, and 
you know, we're, we're open to that. Uh, but you had mentioned, you know, like we, we get these crazy emails, you know, people asking, can we use Felix to, you know, for grow tents? Uh, can you use Felix for, you know, for chicken coops? The reality is you can, right? And so at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, what are, what are the monitors that you need to run your system, right? And do they work on a protocol that we can accept, right? I would say 80% of the monitors could do it. Going into logistics on this, I'm going to pick on, uh, pick on the situation. Let's pretend that you were um, our, our friend Sean Kramer, right? Because Sean Kramer does use a lot of different controllers on his. He has a 2,000-gallon reef tank. How many feet was that, Jimmy? 18 feet. 18 feet long. Yeah. So it wouldn't be enough sensors for someone like Sean Kramer because he wants multiple sensors in his tank. So um, – if he wanted to do something, I'm sure that he could uh, contact Felix directly and see if he can get a customized quote for, uh, you know, building an independent system because uh, Sean's a very unique case or like a large aquarium like they were doing. But if you're trying to do something, you know, when you want multiple sensors and you're using over eight devices as your limit, it's not necessarily gallons in this situation. So a couple things. Um, there's a Felix slave unit that will come out pushing for it for the end of September right now. So you could have 1632 plugs if you wanted to, it could control all of it. So that's not an issue. Um, in terms of monitor, you'll be the first, like we've announced this to our backers already um, and they've shared it on different posts as well. But we have um, an I2C connector coming out. It's a dongle essentially that will allow for a lot of these different sensors and monitor or probes and stuff like that to be connected right into Felix. Right. Um, and I think Rob's you, you'd be familiar with the I2C center, um, I2C protocol, right? Yes. Um, so really at the end of the day, again, going back to, you know, the, the, the vision of Felix is, yeah, of course, you know, we want you to be able to hook up any uh, uh, monitor. In fact, we're, we're, we have this partnership with Senai, but, but we know that other people, other hobbyists use different, you know, monitoring systems, right? And so why can't they hook it up to Felix? They should be able to, right? And so that's, that's the end goal is really anybody should be able to hook up their different devices to Felix. So eventually, it'll uh, be able to accommodate uh, anything you want to plug in with a, a bunch of extra slave units. And these are going to be potentially wireless, correct? So if I wanted to, like, let's talk about the the, the very near future. I have, uh, what, uh, 70 feet across my basement, and I have tanks spread across it, Jimmy? So I could have potentially a couple, uh, a handful of slave units across all my tanks and run my entire weird basement filled with fish on one Felix device with the slave units, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. The dream, the dream boys. And you know, what's really interesting. There's a, there's a big company, you know, I won't name the name yet, um, but they came to us about a year ago and they said, listen, we're, we're getting out of Wi-Fi because it's such a beast. And, you know, it just, it, it honestly, you never know, you know, what the network's going to look like, the firewall's going to look like. And so you have to create all these different scenarios within your, your, your Wi-Fi protocols to, to bypass all this crap, essentially, right? And so they came to us and they said, we're, listen, we're getting out of Wi-Fi completely. We're just going to go Bluetooth because we just hate, hate Wi-Fi. And so, um, and we said, great. 
get out of Wi-Fi. And the problem is that you're going to have is that your consumer is connected. And so, you know, great that you have Bluetooth, great that you can control it in front of your system, but, you know, what if I'm away? And so what they asked us to do was to build an actual uh, a bridge for them via Bluetooth through the Felix. And so now their system that is now completely Bluetooth can run on our Wi-Fi. Um, and so we'll, we've got a bunch of announcements like that coming down the pipeline very soon here. Um, but it's like manufacturers like that when you're talking about, you know, like how, what's the kind of the, the diversity that uh, devices that can connect to Felix? Well, it's really, uh, it's unlimited. It's just what we want to go after, right? So your Felix devices have, wi have Bluetooth built in for their device or other devices. So that way then it acts as the hub that connects it then to the network. No, it doesn't have Bluetooth built in it right now. Um, so we we have a Bluetooth dongle, uh, essentially, you know, to oh, plug enough. into the USB. So, the, the, you know, when you're talking about the different hardwares that we'll come up with, that's what you'll see from Felix. You'll see uh, dongles and different hardwares uh, to come out that will connect you to the different devices you want to connect into Felix. So next question is, does it have any search protection installed um, on the eight block? Uh, so we've got a built-in uh, fuse that obviously just when uh, if there's too much search. So you do have to replace the fuse. Oh, it's, it's even replaceable. It's not something that they have to, uh, that's hard soldered. Like they have to get a new nope. fuse. They can replace the fuse. Yeah, it's literally a 40 cent, you know, Amazon fuse. Excellent. Um, how likely is Felix to kill me when the AI takes over? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading the question. question. Just, just reading the question. What, what, what was that computer? What was that AI computer on Terminator? What was that called? T Skynet. Skynet. Right. There you yeah. go. You know, like I think there's way more AI that you should be scared of than Felix. <laughs> well, see, that's why they have a fuse because Skynet requires more than the 40 cent fuse. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, the thing with the AI is that love it or hate it, it's, it's here to stay. And at the end of the day, um, I think for the aquarium industry, I think it, 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 it can attract more uh, hobbyists, more users. And I think that's, that's the ultimate goal. Like when you have something beautiful, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I just have this kind of, you know, crazy notion that you should share it. Right. And it should be people, other people should enjoy it. Right. And so really that's what the AI's intention is, is to, to maintain these systems at the best possible uh, in with the best possible parameters for whatever you're, you know, you're keeping. Right. Next question is, could this be adapted or is there already software being uh, programmed to control uh, for reptiles is the intention? Yeah. So we will have, <laughs> In 30 days, we will make an announcement uh, that uh, uh, we will have a humidity and temperature sensor with a ground sensor that you can hook into Felix, uh, and, or you can use the I2C dongle and, you know, hook up your own uh, units to it as well. But yeah, for, for sure, the terrarium vivarium, long underserviced, um, and it's, it's, it's actually quite simple for us to, to get into that.
That seems like a natural extension considering the uh, the planted aquarium focus to, from the beginning. And I, hey, we saw one earlier, too, where the people were asking about their chicken coop. Did you see that? that oh, that's what he was saying, yeah. I mean, you could use it for your chicken coop, too, right? I mean, just, just for you, Jimmy. I don't have a chicken coop. Well, yet. Not yet. Yet. So we have a hard question for you because we can't just do the easy ones. Um, why uh, why does your monitoring system look identical to the Sen I one? Uh, I think I mentioned before, like it is powered by Sen I. You know, we we don't shy away from it. In fact, if you open up one of these boxes, uh, you see the Felix logo on it, and then you see the nice little Sen I um, logo on the uh the water slides yeah so it's 100 percent. it's powered by senai um they they were a natural fit for us because we we're really focused on you know like the whole plug and play aspect of it and they they definitely have the best plug and play uh water monitoring system out there so the other uh questions i think were already answered we did a good job of going through a lot of can i use this for this can i use this for this and i think we really hammered those home um Better yet, see, we got to watch Joe from Joe Shroom Shack on social media. He got one of these as an early tester. And, uh, you know, what has his feedback been? Well, I mean, Joe is part of our, our, our beta group as well. And I think, like, he is um, specifically wanting to use Felix as a CO2 um, system, like, for his plants, right? So he, he's very um, he's very adamant on, you know, the the – IFTTT rules being, you know, there. So, I mean, I think his overall experience has been good. Um, there's definitely been, you know, some glitches uh, in a system, right? And when you're launching a beta, of course, um, that's things that uh, you recognize that are going are going to happen is that you're going to have glitches and so forth. So, you know, we we've had those glitches and we've um, we've addressed them, and you know, we will we will uh, keep on addressing them and overcoming them. So I think, uh, you know, Joe's a good guy to, to, to really ask directly, actually, you know, how his, uh, how his experience has been. But I think overall it's been good. See, I, I like that answer. Uh, just uh, go pick on Joe yourself and, uh, and have him <laughs> praise Tom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a quick tech question. I see you have the, the smart app and everything uh, to be able to access it. And, but like, like my home router... I can log in via web browser to see settings and change things up. Is there a way to directly access it that way over the network? Not, not yet. Uh, we'll open that up probably closer to Christmas. It's That's actually one of the uh, most asked questions in our backer group is when we will come up with a web interface. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that for sure. Winning. Winning. The question nobody's asked yet, what does Felix stand for? Ooh. <laughs> it's not the cat, is it? It is the cat, actually. You know, I think for me, like just on the marketing side, it, it's uh, people always ask us, why would you have a friggin' cat as a, uh, you know, a mascot or a brand for a fish? And it's because people talk about it, right? And so if anything that's interesting that makes things people talk, then, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, besides my, my son, when he, my, I think at that time he was nine at that time. And uh, he, said, he blurted out Felix. And I said, yeah, Felix, that makes sense. Let's do it. And that kind of just went into that tangent. I mean, it's either that or the Pro Bowl 9000. And that just didn't seem pro appropriate. <laughs> the best man. <laughs> the 
Mathematic. Yeah. Well, Felix, I mean, in and this was actually George Farmer's, um, what he said about it as well as Felix is typically, you know, in, in uh, the UK known as like a help, a butler, right? And so thought, well, that's exactly what Felix is. It's kind of like your butler does everything for you. Damn, Jeeves was taken, wasn't it? <laughs> or Lycos. <laughs> there you go. Oh, no, that's their add-on product. Don't, don't give secrets away. So, Adam, do you have any questions? Yeah, so I was intrigued about the Reptile one, and I have a question. Is there a way to hook it up to, like, another country's weather for – we're just going for reptiles here because that's kind of my the idea that popped in my head. So, like, say I wanted to have some Madagascar species – is there a way that I could have an app hook up to the Felix so that it'll tell me what the temps and everything is in the jungle, the humidity level in that area, and then it'll turn that into my tank? So wait, I, I, before you answer, are you saying that let's let's pretend it's like Madagascar, right? Yeah. And there happens to be like a typhoon. You want to emulate the low temperatures that would uh, be happening during a storm as well? Then I'll send over my yeah. ex-wife. Okay, uh, I want to hear this <laughs> because because you don't understand some of these reptiles and fish breed during different things, and if I can emulate that where it happens in their natural habitat, I could breed them better. Be All right, more, be more successful. Tom, if you don't have this, we should start funding to put together like country sensors. Like you have one place in a random jungle where it's measuring humidity, temperature, light, and then you try to emulate it on people's Felixes and watch the house burn down. <laughs> you know what? It's actually, it's not far-fetched because um, the there's data loggers in different parts of the world, all over the world, actually, that measure the data and they feed it into, you know, different organizations, right? Um, so all that data is, is up for the taking it's open it's open uh, data right so that's what i was said you know i keep going back to with felix is you know a lot of people look at us uh, you know naturally we are an aquarium company uh you know we've built this controller for the aquarium company but on the back side of it we are 100 percent a data company you know we're we're very very interested in data and so uh, you know, what you're talking about, you know, like even for, let's say, frogs, right? Frogs really need ideal conditions to breed. Um, if you could replicate that, what would that look like, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's it's doable. It's uh, it, the data is there. So we just need we just need some time and and uh, and, and clearly uh, some Coke bottle glasses like me to help you out. Mm? There you go. <laughs> So, I, Tom. Oh, go ahead, Adam. No, no. I just thought that was a good idea because it'd be easier to breed certain frogs and reptiles and stuff. That just popped in my head. I get weird ideas. Well, well, I'll, I'll take it to the next level, Adam. You know what I was saying before. There's this NASA research done uh, about five, six years ago, and they did it on the ISS, right? And it was in conjunction with uh, MIT. And what they were doing, I'm going to geek out for a minute here. Um, oh, no, what they did was... Keep going. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, Robs, you, you kind of brushed on it a little bit. You know, when aquascapers, what they'll do is they'll turn CO2 or they'll turn light on at certain times, hoping to improve the system. Well, what MIT and NASA found out, and they, they published all of this like, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, but 
what they what they realized is actually if you introduce light at crazy times, not normal regular daylight time, but like in the middle of the night, you know, from one o'clock one a.m. to around two twenty-four for an hour and twenty-four minutes, um, you could actually uh, boost, you know, photosynthesis, and you could actually uh, force the plant in essence to grow faster. And so they did all this research, and at the end of it, I, I can't remember the percentage, but it was significant enough to report it. Um, so my point is that, you know, somebody somewhere in the world has found, like, you know, a great, um, a great uh, setting, you know, for you know, lack of a better word. They've created, like, this perfect ecosystem inside their aquarium or terrarium vivarium. And... They're breeding like crazy. They're, everybody's happy inside. The plants are going crazy. The coral is going crazy. All of that stuff. Now, if we can actually see two or three, and I'm saying this, you know, kind of just to be simplistic, but if we can see two or three of those settings replicated over and over again and having success over and over again, well, the next time you put that species into your aquarium, like you put that coral or you put that, plant you can say with definitive backing hey this is this is the ideal setting and we're gonna we're gonna take all your devices and we're gonna match it up as close as possible to give you that uh, give your animal the best chance possible to have you know its best habitat so that that's really the heart of where we're going with everything you know, I think that's so incredibly important when it comes to uh, these farmers who are breeding. Um, you know, we around here, we have a lot of turkey farms. There's a lot of chicken farms. You know, they've done so much research. And if you can get that chicken to lay one extra egg a day and you've got 50,000 chickens, that is huge production. By, and, and that's how they watch their lights so careful. Um, you know, they've done a lot of research in, in the poultry industry. And so the same could, could be in effect too for, for your plants and your fish if you are able to get them to maximum produce if you're farming and trying to do a wholesale type of business. I think this would be just uh, the best thing you could, you could spend money on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's so true. I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. We were, I was in uh, Spain. I used to go there quite a bit before COVID because our, our tech team is actually out in Spain. But I visited this farm, um, and they they uh, they breed seahorses. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with seahorses and the 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 percentage that actually die, you know, in order to get one. But it's it's very very high. Um, and so, you know, one of the questions I asked them is like, why do you have such a high mortality, right, with these seahorses? And the breeder could not tell me. He's like, well, it could be a number of different things. It could be this, this, this. And I said, well, that that's, uh, it seems, you know, kind of arbitrary to just randomly have like, you know, 80% of your, your, your livestock die, right? And so there's got to be a reason. And so that's, that was actually one of the driving factors around this whole AI was, you know, looking at that and saying, well, wait a minute. There, there is a reason why this is happening. It's just that you, you just don't see it. You don't see it with your eyes. You don't see it with your different, you know, monitors. 
there's a reason and we need to we need to figure that out and so we we've actually been working with that uh, farm for the last year um developing a bunch of stuff with them have you had any success or or got any questions answered no and, and i'm very upfront about that because ai is a long-term game it's not um it's not easy you know it really takes a lot of data uh, i can tell you that we have a lot of data and very soon we'll be able to recognize that data like the you know we can make we can make some sort of uh hypothesis right now on what's going on but we don't have enough data to say definitively what's going on and so just by finding this data and and looking at it when your deaths are occurring and if you could fix that problem they will significantly increase their production and profitability yeah and the the, the the thing you know when i got into this whole ai you know one of our one of our advisors is actually one of the head researcher guys at uh, apple and i went out to uh he teaches at carnegie mellon and anyways i went out to visit him and, and to try to absorb all this ai stuff and he said you know the common mis mistake that most people make about AI is they think that, you know, everything should work perfectly. And that's where the AI learns. Um, in fact, it's the complete opposite. You know, like when you're looking at Tesla and the autonomous stuff that they're building out, they actually, they obviously hope and pray that there's never going to be an accident, but it's the accidents that actually make the AI strong, right? It's when things die or when somebody does something irrational, like, you know, sideswipes you because they're drunk. Um, that's that's what AI can't capture. Um, it, like it, it can't make an assumption on that until it actually physically encounters it, right? And so that's what you that's what you're kind of in the back of your mind. Yeah, you know, I want I want all these seahorses to thrive, and you know, not I don't want any of them to you know lose their life, but where it actually becomes really uh, effective is when something bad happens. Yeah, nobody's putting pennies in their damn tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's happening. Someone's salty. So we were talking with one of our guests on the podcast. Um, Scott, um, I remember his last name, from uh, Project uh, Paiba. Yes, Scott. And Piava. <laughs> I always get that wrong. Piava, Piava. Paiba, Paiba. See, that, that's how I get made fun of. Um, his organization is trying to find um, ecological ways that are safe for the environment for species to be harvested out of places like the Amazon rainforest. And they've shown that the flood season kills way more fish than they harvest. So they find better ways to do it, to grab um, wild supply, to su support the people in those areas and protect rainforest. It's a wonderful project. And Scott had a dream. He was mentioning on our podcast that he has a named harvester or farmer in South, uh, South America that takes your fish. They mark with a uh, location tag on the bag the bag goes to someplace like Seagrass Farms, gets shipped out to either directly to the customer or a store. You get a card when you purchase this fish showing where it's been, and you can go online and literally try to monitor and have an aquarium be smart enough to replicate the exact area where it's 
uh, come from as far as temperature, lighting, all of the goodies. Water parameters. Water parameters. And that's that's his future dream, that you can actually know where it came from, imitate the environment where it came from, and give that uh, the best ecological care and know that that's where your fish came from and you're doing the best for that fish. And I really believe after this conversation that we're closer than we ever have before. The, the, the crazy thing about all of this is um, the data's there. The technology's always been there. Um, you know, it, it needs to come a bit further, right? Um, but we're, I agree with you, Rubs. We're, we're there. Like, you know, I think three years from now, we'll look back and... We'll have a laugh and say, hey, how did we get here? You know, you've got all the puzzle pieces. You just got to put them together. I always find it very interesting. Like when you talk to some of the, the older brands out there and I, I'm going to get slack, you know, I'm going to get the heat for this. Um, but and some of these brands out there, dinosaur brands, like they, there's in this little bubble of their own and they just, they don't see the bigger, um, the bigger picture, you know, and and the bigger picture for us, obviously, is, you know, to to create these awesome habitats for these fish and different animals, right? But also it's to grow the hobby, right? Like, I, I want my kids to be able to, you know, like, and my 13-year-old's amazing. He He didn't really get into this until last year, but now he's, like, all in, like, everything. He watches, like, you know, all the YouTube guys um, and... Um, He's just so into these tanks now, right? Um, but how do we how do we get you know more people interested in it, right? Uh, and it's it's definitely not by you know trying to protect everything and so forth. So, anyways, I I digress. So the last couple of questions that we have, you know, this is again the exclusive exclusive first interview anywhere that we can finally talk about Felix and talk to you directly. So number one, we appreciate that opportunity, but uh, mm-hmm. can you give us some uh, inside secrets that, uh, you know, of something that's you know in Project X that's top secret, you know, give us the leak that no one's heard about yet. What what's coming that you haven't talked about, sir? We're we're so damn transparent. Um, well, there stop. is something that's coming out. There's. <laughs> There's a company that we've been engaged with for the better part of a year, um, and they do monitoring, and they do it really well. Um, and their technology is technology is, I think, better than most technology out there in terms of you know measuring the different you know water parameters, especially on the on the cool. salt side. Um, and we're going to be making an announcement very quickly, um, about our partnership with them. So, yeah. Any other hints? Best I can tell you And if you have to kill Rob, that's fine. He's expendable. I mean, you, I yeah, am expendable. Absolutely. Dead. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I told you everything. We can't say the company. Can we say where they're from? They're nope. American. Oh, North America. That ruled it down right there. I was hoping it was going to be like this one small country that it could possibly only be researched, but never mind. Tanzania. Tanzania. Yeah. See. Also, for those that are listening and heard about this wonderful product, you can go to your website where you have the product. Again, it is in beta. 
it's not necessarily the hardware that you're explaining that's in beta. It's the uses for it and trying to aggregate data. So if you want to become a part of this beta and join the Felix team, go to felixsmart.com and you can order your own. Before uh, I go for the last statement, just a quick antidote on the Felix Lite and the Felix Pro. Yeah, so the Felix Lite is a, it's the controller. You've got eight sockets, six USBs, and it comes with the water monitor that measures pH, uh, ammonia, temperature, light in conditions like par per uh, Kelvin and so forth. Um, and then the Felix Pro is the full meal deal. You get the 360 camera thrown in there um, and you get to view your aquarium from a totally different perspective. By the way, the camera, if you've got some VR goggles, uh, in about, uh, I want to say six days, seven days, you're going to be able to throw those cam that camera into your 3D goggles um, or use your 3D goggles and uh, view your aquarium in a completely different perspective. Is that like the Samsung goggles that you put your phone into or is it like the Oculus or the Vive? In the simplest form, you can just put your, you could literally do a DIY cutout cardboard and put your phone there. Um, the Google ones. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Google, yeah, yeah. But you can use your uh, Vive and all your other uh, high-end. Yeah. Wonderful. That's awesome. Takes so it, beer drinking to a whole new level. So it's just the camera, or is there anything else come with, that comes with Pro? Uh, it's, it's the addition of the camera, yeah. Excellent. Well, if again, if you want to be a part of this project, go to the website, Felix, uh, felixsmart.com, jump in, and... If there's any other people that are listening, because this, again, was a, originally a backed Indiegogo campaign, um, is there any other ways that people can support Felix, uh, maybe become a virtual backer even though the campaign's closed? Um, in terms of, like, the actual um, backing itself, no, the campaign is closed. Um, but like you said, you know, you can definitely support us by um, pre-ordering or ordering. We're, we're completely sold out now until uh, September. Uh, we'll get some more in, uh, obviously, for, for orders. But um, I think, you know, if you jump on our page and kind of read up about us and so forth, we're, we're really open to connecting to, you know, different people and having discussions, right? I, I think, like, our openness and being transparent if, if you've got ideas and stuff like that share them we're we're heavily heavily on facebook right now and instagram so we definitely reach out to us there wonderful well is there anything we uh, you think we missed tom oh i don't think so I, 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 oh it was good i, I was uh yeah. you know, i i went into this bit of a tangent because i you know get into the I put on my geek hat and start geeking out but um, yeah at the heart of it it's just it's really just to make things simple for for you know existing hobbyists and future hobbyists well fantastic thanks again so much for coming on the show Tom and Jimmy Adam you guys got questions no all my questions were answered I'm just uh, totally fascinated by technology me being the old guy in the podcast and anything to make it simple is just fantastic Adam? Good, too. That was my idea, was creating typhoons in my tanks. <laughs> you know, I can bring over a case of beer and I can start a typhoon in your tank, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> let me know. 
Well, thanks again, guys. Um, again, we appreciate uh, everything that uh, you've done, uh, Tom, uh, coming on the show. I know it was a lot of troubleshooting uh, beginning, but uh, keep us up to date. We'd be happy to share it with our, our fans. And again, uh, if you guys want to support the podcast, go to aquariumguyspodcast.com. Make sure to like and subscribe. But, uh, you know, if you want to donate directly, we have a donation uh, donation button on the bottom of the podcast. It, uh, it helps keep the lights on. Until next week, Jimmy. Hey. Be safe out there. You can put your pants back on now. <laughs> Thanks. Man. And I got that part. Let me, let me replay that. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I never knew that a Minnesota accent could be so sexy until I heard Adam's voice. Go f*** yourself, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy, don't you know.